All right. Good evening, Elsie. How are you guys doing tonight? Good evening. I want to say hi to our online audience. Thank you guys so much for joining us. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I just have a couple of announcements that I want to share with you guys. Um, the first one is the Train Army t-shirts. Um, they're on sale right now for pre-order. Uh, the last day to, pre- to sign up and pre-order those is Sunday, September 3rd. So this upcoming Sunday, uh, you can order them in the Commons building or over at the Children's building. So make sure you get those because they look really cool. I might want one. <laughs> and the next one is, it's for those who are new to Lake Church um, and they're interested in learning more about the vision of the house and the things that going on here. Uh, we're having dinner with the pastor. It's going to be Sunday um the 10th uh, at five o'clock in the student ministries building um so make sure you sign up in the commons uh, rsvp by the 6th um and that'll be really fun to get the information on what's going on here and what you can do uh to learn more and then last but not least we have the upcoming arise conference <laughs> hallelujah this is going to be october 15th through the 18th we're having our ministers morning sessions from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Uh, that's for anyone in the body of Christ um, who serve. And then the evening services start at 7 p.m. Those will be really good. And all services are open to the public. And then for our favorite time of the night, offering. <laughs> um, and so as I was thinking on what to say to you guys for this, I just brought back to God supplies our every need. Um, it's already taken care of. And then... We, because of Jesus, we reign so much more in life. Um, we receive his abundance of grace and the free gift and so much more. And so we have to access that. We have to put, <laughs> accept the opportunity. And so giving is just one way that we can do that. Uh, there's many ways you can give um, to the student ministries, uh, to the missions ministries. Any, we have so many different areas for you to pour into whatever your hearts are leaning towards. I encourage you to give towards that. And so we're going to pray. Uh, there's envelopes on the seat back. You can give the text to give or on the app. Um, but I'm going to pray and we'll get started. So thank you, Father, for tonight. We just thank you that you bless this offering and just multiply it. And we just glorify you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, good evening, Lake Church. How we doing? Amen. Well, I'll start off with my first joke of the day. What book are we going to be reading from today? All right. Amen. How we doing? We doing okay? Can, uh, hello, hello? Well, I have nothing to do with turning it up. Uh, Is it going up? All right, there we go. All right, Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we're at. Ephesians chapter 5. So we're going to be looking at that. I've heard from Karen and the ladies, and they're having a fantastic time in Uganda. And um, so they're just doing just some wonderful things. Of course, they're sleeping or getting ready to go to sleep because they're eight hours ahead of us. Um, So... You know, they'll start their Wednesday or Thursday before us. And uh, they're going into their third third session of the ladies' meetings that they were having. 
and uh, just seeing tremendous things happen. And they've been so busy to really com- be able to communicate. So uh, looking forward to hearing all the wonderful testimonies. Amen. Amen. And so be praying for them as they venture back. They'll be leaving on Saturday and be back with us on Monday. So it takes two days to get back home. But then also pray for Bob because tomorrow at 3 o'clock, he's going to be heading out for the Philippines. So we need to pray for good, safe travels for him. And then also for fruitful ministry, amen? Uh, establishing some things, there's some strategic things that, that he's working on that I think you know, we need to partner together in prayer with, and then also in our giving as well, amen? So praise God, lots of wonderful opportunities, okay? So now we're going to get into some very sticky stuff, because when Paul begins to start talking about the practical aspects of the first three chapters. Because the first three chapters deal with realities that are ours by virtue of the work of Jesus. But to practically see those things manifest in our lives requires cooperation on our part to walk out and to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Amen? Unfortunately, today, we have churches and teachers that teach the benefits without the lifestyle, that want to tell you what you can have in God minus the conduct, and you can't separate the two. You cannot separate the two. You know, we are to be like Christ. I've told you this before. God only blesses what is his in your life. He doesn't bless you as you. That's why we're in Christ. Come on now. It's the truth. It's because we're in Christ. So we can preach all these wonderful benefits and people are scratching their head and wondering why these benefits aren't happening. And it's because you are not in union with Jesus in your daily walk. Come on now. Nobody likes this, but this is the truth, and this is what he says. We ended off with something that a lot of people struggle with. And let's look, go back up to, uh, it talks about grieving the Holy Spirit in the fourth chapter. And in verse number 21, it says, let all bitterness. I don't know about you, but have you ever ran into a bitter person? There is no short supply of the embittered soul in this world today. And there's no short supply in the church as well. Come on now. I tell you what, there are backslidden Christians that are so bitter in soul I mean, my goodness, their very words cause you to just pucker up. Because, I mean, it's just like taking one of those warheads and, you know, stuffing them in your mouth. Amen? They're just filled with all kinds of hurt and pain and bitterness and blame shifting and victimization. It's pathetic. But he says, put it away. He says, get rid of it. Let all bitterness and wrath... Have anybody seen any wrath? Yeah. 
We have people operating in wrath and anger. And we, we established in this same chapter that there is a godly way to handle anger. And that anger is an emotion that even God has. But because of his righteousness and because of his character, he has godly anger. Amen? Now that's something that we don't see in the world today is godly anger. We are so far from, you know, the character and nature of God that we just see fleshly human anger. And the Bible says that we are to be angry because you're going to be angry about certain things. Anger is a good motivator. It's a good way to change. How many got sick of those extra pounds? How many got mad at themselves for making a dumb mistake over and over again? And that anger was used to get up out of something. See, we're to use anger, but we're not to use it in an ungodly way where I take my anger and I direct it towards you. And I begin to demean you and speak negatively and condescending towards other people and use it in a destructive way, let alone use my fist or my hands or any instrument that I could put within my hands to hurt anybody. <laughs> Amen? So, but we can be angry, but not sin. Amen? But it says, put away anger and clamor and slander. That means, you know, useless talking, gossip, slander, character assassinating with our words, down, you know, downgrading people, you know, uh, diminishing them with our words, with our actions. That needs to be put away from us. Amen? That should, that's, did you ever see Jesus do that? No, not one time did Jesus do that at all. And so it says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. See, when a person is filled with bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, they are not tender-hearted. They're hard-hearted. They're calloused in their heart. They're operating in their vain imaginations. But it says be kind to one another. Notice it doesn't say be nice to one another. Have you ever heard your mom say, be nice to your brother? That just means if you don't, I'm going to whip your butt. You really don't have a heart change towards your brother. You don't have a heart change towards your sister. You're not doing it from a source. You're doing it because of, you don't want to be whipped. You don't want to be punished. And there's a lot of people that are operating in nice. And nice is, is false. Nice is deception. Some of your worst enemies can be nice to you. But they can never be kind to you. Because kindness is a fruit of the Spirit of God. Amen? Okay, and then it says, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. So Christ forgave us with no strings attached. That meant that if we went off and, and messed up again, he, he didn't say, now I'm going to forgive you this time. He never said that. I'm going to forgive you. We've said that to people. I'm going to forgive you this time. Which means that if there's a next time, I may not. God doesn't do that. We are to forgive as God forgives. That means he forgives and he moves on. 
Amen? And, and many times we, we have conditions to our forgiveness. You know, if they keep, if they act right, I'll forgive them. Or if they, if they even, if they repent to me, I'll forgive them. If they tell me that I was right and they were wrong, I'll forgive them. Is that how God forgave us? Not at all. God forgave us because of his great love. He gave us Jesus and forgave us unconditionally, unreservedly, and undeniably. Amen? So there's no chapter and verse in the scriptures. So when we go to chapter 5, he goes on and takes it a step further. He says, therefore be imitators. And that word is where we get the word mimic. Have you ever had anybody mimic you like your children? Amen. They act like you at the dinner table or say something that you say and they kind of put on airs like they're being you. They're mimicking you. That's the picture we have is that we are to imitate God as beloved children. Just as children will mimic their parents, we, the children of God, should mimic our Father God. We should imitate him. Amen? Uh, and walk in love. Now notice that. This is how we imitate God. We walk in love. Majority of people that are having problems in relationships, that are having problems with their mental health, that are having problems with their physical bodies, if they're a believer, it's because they are not walking in love. I'm just going to lay it out for you. When you don't walk in love and you as a believer take in bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice, you are not walking in the divine life. You are opening the door for the enemy to torment you and it opens the door for him to be active in your life. When you are in unforgiveness towards someone, It opens you up to the tormentors to come in and to harass your mind and affect areas of your life. You know, I've had many people that I've counseled over the years. And they will rehearse some kind of violation that someone did to them as if it was just done 5 o'clock that day. And then upon further investigation and enlightenment, it was 20 years ago. But it's so fresh in their mind that when they tell the story, the vibrancy and the enthusiasm as is if it had happened that day. And it's because they continue to meditate and hold on to this offense because they think there's empowerment in that. And that somehow my unforgiveness casts some kind of spell on my offender. And holds them in my mental prison. 
Because everybody's got one in their head. They've got a prison and all the offenders of their life, they're in their orange and their weed sickling, the roads. Come on now. We've got them. We've got exes. We got in-laws and outlaws. We got ex-business partners. We got the person that didn't pick us when we were being picked for the, the dodgeball team in school. We've got the girl that broke our heart. We've got the guy that dumped us for another girl. We've got all that stuff. If you want to know more about this, go buy Secret World. Go buy that book tonight. There is irreconcilable stuff that is in our lives that if we don't take it to the cross, it will dictate the pattern of our life. It will hold us in bondage and chain us in our present relationships. Many people who have been offended in a relationship, a dating relationship, a marriage, have faced divorce or some kind of travesty, adultery. They carry that baggage into their next relationship. And majority of your fights and majority of your problems is that you're paying for someone else's sins. Oh, you don't want to hear this. But it's the truth. You bring it in. A certain tone, a certain way something's done, reflexively triggers a reaction that is negative. Say, for instance, your ex didn't come home and you found out they were having an affair. Well, when your new spouse is late from coming home from work with no text, where does your mind go? Where does the enemy want to take your mind? Amen? And all of a sudden, we're hysterical. And we're not just hysterical, we're historical. Amen? See, when we build this stuff up and we don't reconcile it to the cross, you need to reconcile everything to the cross. How many have ever, you know, back when we had checkbooks, we don't have them anymore, we let the bank do them. And you don't realize that when the bank does them, they take a little out. They're like Judas. Hello, but but an irreconciled checkbook, or you don't know what's in your, you know, in your account. You don't have any idea. Do you feel confident going to the mall? Do you feel confident going on vacation? Do you feel confident in your ability to pay for that meal or whatever? You know, how many have ever done this? And I've done this. You give the card and you go. Come on now. How many know what I'm talking about? Because you don't know what's in there. Because you haven't reconciled your checkbook. You got an idea. I may have such and such. 
but you are apprehensive and not walking in true purpose because you don't know what you have. Well, when we don't reconcile our lives to the cross, it's like we're walking just like that checkbook. We don't know. And when the enemy attacks us, we're unaware of what we have in the account. We can't operate in confidence because we don't know. Because he's going to mess with offenses. Sinful behavior. Victimization. He's going he's gonna to bring those things up. That's the reason why you can get cut off on the highway and all of a sudden your mind goes to someone who did you wrong. Come on now. It, it, he'll use any opportunity to take the unrenewed mind and take it on a journey. Because he wants to build something in you. And if you continue to hold on to unforgiveness, it's the building blocks of a stronghold in your life. And you won't be able to enjoy relationships like you should. You won't be able to fully trust and give yourself over to the relationship because you're constantly apprehensive and fearful that what happened in the past will happen again. Amen? Okay. But when we imitate God and we walk in love, and I like that phrase, walk in love. It doesn't say love everybody. It just says walk in love. That means in the business of my life, in my interactions in life, in my ability to do it. Because people will say this, and the world says this. Well, you know, we just need love. Have you ever seen that in CNN? You know, somebody's over, you know, they'll show some big old fight in the streets, you know. Well, we just need to love one another. Love is the answer. The Beatles sang, all you need is love. But that was sung by someone who beat his wife. To beat his kids. I love the Beatle. I love John Lennon. But he was, a, he was a horrible human being. Hello. You can like people's art and separate yourself from person. Come on now. But I'm here to tell you, he's a horrible human being. And the majority of all these love songs that everybody sings, they're, they're just sung so that you'll buy them. Come on now. So the world says, well, we just need to love one another. You know, we need to love our fellow man. We need to, you know, we need the equality and love and everything of that nature. Okay, that's wonderful. Why don't you forgive your mother-in-law? Why can't you forgive your ex-husband? See, if all we need is love, if that's going to keep us from fighting in the streets, that's going to keep us from, you know, victimizing and, and assaulting one another, if that's the answer, human love is the answer to all of life's ills, then why aren't we seeing it happen? Because we live in a world of sin. 
Man does not work right, and human love will never take you where you want to go. Hello. Only the love of God can cause two people to forgive one another. Only the love of God can cause somebody to rise above victimization. Only the love of God and walking in love can we have victory over the perpetual offenses that come our way. Jesus said offenses are going to come. That's just as much a promise as he'll supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. We don't have it on bumper stickers. We don't have it on, you know, how, how would you like to have a shirt? Offenses will come. Jesus said, offenses will come. And woe to them, then offenses will come to. So he knows that they come to to bring something that is detrimental to your life. The word offense is the word where it it, it means this. How many remember Admiral Akbar in Star Wars? It's a trap. That's what it means. That's what offense means, a trap. So instead of saying, you know, here's how we can change our thinking. Instead of saying, I'm offended, say, I'm trapped. Mm, That'll get you out of that. That'll get you out of that. Offense has some kind of romanticism to it, you know. I'm offended. Mm. But when you say, I'm trapped, oh, that's a big difference. No one likes to be trapped. No one likes to be in bondage. No one likes to be in a cage. No one likes to be in a box. But that's exactly what the Bible says. Is that when we operate in bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. You know, we, we begin to operate in a realm of offense and we're trapped. Amen. There are spouses that are trapped. Within their marriages. There are business people that are trapped within their businesses. There, there are people. Why? Because they have basically given to scandalon, which is, which is the word. Scandalon, which means a trap. The, 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 the enemy has put a trap. We stepped into it. He has got us imprisoned in it. And the only way we can get free is the one thing that our pride doesn't want us to do. Because to be able to, we think, we think this, well, if I forgive them and release them, they're not going to, they're not going to know, and I won't have any control. But see, when you reconcile it to the cross, you let God take care. Amen? You know, people trying to take vengeance, you know, oh, well, it's going to come around, it's going to come around, I know it is. I know people have been waiting 50 years for it to come around. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting. One day it's going to come full circle, and I'm going to get you. Oh, there's people that wait wait for that. And they have this, you know, Schadenfreude, you know. Schadenfreude is 
is glee at someone else's demise or someone else's, you know, they got this, oh, I'm looking, I'm watching, I'm seeing that Jesse. You know, he stole that last donut in the break room and I'm going to get him. It's been 30 years, but that crueler is mine. <laughs> Come on, we got that evil laugh. He passed me over for that promotion. I know I've been retired for 15 years, but it's going to come around. I'm going to, come on now. This is the stupidity that goes on in this place right here. Amen. I'll show him. I'll show her. She should have never dumped me. She should have never slept around on me. He should have never. And basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to operate in vengeance. But the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He says, I will repay. See, we're not even, don't even have the capacity to handle vengeance. Did you know that? Vengeance is God's power tools. See, my dad had a bench in our garage that had his power tools on it. And what he would say to me if I was left in that garage is don't touch my power tools. How many ever got that directive? Don't mess with my saw. Don't mess with this. Okay? And that's what God is saying. Don't mess with vengeance. Don't try to make something right. Release, forgive, and cast the care on me. I care for you. I will do what is right. I will do what is just. But we don't believe that. We don't believe it. We don't believe God is just. In regards to our stuff, it's on everybody else, but not us. God, why'd you do it that way? No, God, I want you to do it this way. I want to see him humiliated like I was humiliated. I want to see him victimized just like I was victimized. Amen. What was the Old Testament? Eye for an eye? Tooth for a tooth? Jesus fulfilled that. He gave his eye. He gave his body. So we don't live that way anymore. We live this way. And walk in love as Christ loved us. Oh, he had to put that on there. You know, I mean, he had to qualify it with that statement as Christ loved us. And how did he love us? He gave himself up. And if you're going to live free, you're going to have to learn to give yourself up. If you're going to live free, you're going to have to give yourself up. That means you're going to have to fight against your personal pride. You're going to have to learn to let things go. You're going to have to humble yourself. Hello, there's, there's, you know, majority of marriage problems is someone that is not humbling themselves. Or both parties, really, for the matter of 
You know, it, it, you got to humble yourself. Amen. And people aren't willing to put down their argument. They want to be right about everything because they want to exercise control. And, you know, control is witchcraft. When you're trying to do that in your, in your home and you're trying to use your argument or your demeanor or, or your ability to intimidate, you're operating in witchcraft is what you're doing. You're trying to manipulate and strong arm a situation and God's not in it. And people will even use scriptures. Amen. I told you this story before, but my pastor, my mentor, my father in the faith was on the radio. And uh, he got the joy of being on the radio, and I got the joy of answering all the calls. <laughs> and so one time this guy calls, and uh, he's drunk as a skunk. I mean, he is absolutely lit on the other end. I could smell the alcohol through the phone line. And he told me this. He said, are you a pastor in the church? I said, yes, I'm an associate pastor here at the church. He said, he said I want you to tell my wife. I'm going to put you on speakerphone. And I want you to tell my wife that she is to submit to me. Because the Bible says it. I said, well, the Bible does say that, but that's not all the verse. What? I said, it says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. I said, sir, are you acting like the Lord? Oh, he got mad. He cussed me. He called up a church to cuss us because we, how silly is that? He was mad. And uh, his wife says, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. You know, you could hear her in the background. But, but the truth of the matter is this, is the Bible does say that. But you can't take it out of context to make it fit your argument. So you have to understand that submission, a wife's submission, not a woman's submission. Because women don't submit to men. We are equal in the eyes of God. Wives come into a subordinated position by virtue of coming into covenant with a man for protection and provision. Oh, See, we don't teach this stuff anymore. Nobody knows anything about it. that. That's the king. You, you, you know, you come under. Now, while you're dating, you're this way. But when you come into marriage covenant, you're coming under. The man under God and the wife under the husband and the children under the wife. Do you understand that? That's how it flows. But we've got the children up here and we've got, you know... You know, we got all kinds of mismatch, and we expect God to bless it. Right. It doesn't work. Okay, so it says submit, and it's in the scripture we're going to look at hopefully tonight, but uh, not the way I'm going right now, but uh, 
but submission is a response to something. Because the next verse says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. See, he, he specifies. He doesn't just say, Husband, love your wives. To most husbands, that's, I love you. And then every action, not backing that up at all. Come on now. No, he says, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. There's that word again. You got to give up. If you're going to be free, you got to learn to give up. Well, you know what? If I don't hold on to that, you know, they're not going to pay for what they did. You know, they're not going to pay for what. Listen, they may never pay in this life for what they did. You got to be okay with that. How can I be okay with that? Because I put my life in the hands of Almighty God. And he saw everything and knows everything. And he promises to deal with that situation. It may not be on this side of eternity. But it will be dealt with. So I trust him. Now, he's not asking us to do that anything that he wouldn't do himself. Because Jesus, don't you believe he had the basis for victimization? Don't you know that he had the basis for being falsely accused? Don't you know that he had the basis of, of, of being smeared and slandered against? And Come on now. He had it all. He was rejected in all ways. But yet he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Listen, man, that's something that needs to start coming out of your mouth when you're facing somebody that's treating you bad, treating you wrong. Father, forgive them. eh? They just don't know what they're doing. You know, when people get upset with me, and, you know, I know that's hard to believe. That's very hard to believe that anyone would be upset with me, especially my wife. But, you know, I have this attitude that I try to maintain. And listen, it's a struggle. But you have to have this attitude. Listen, they don't know me. Because if they knew me, they'd love me. Come on now, you've got to have that attitude. You've got to have that attitude. Somebody say something, some false accusation. You know, people think I say crazy things up here. And, uh, you know, it gets out in the community and... I've said this and I've said that. And people will bring stuff and say, you know, I heard that you said this one time. No, I never even even ventured around that corner. But people will do that. Okay? So are you going to let that fester on you all day? Are you going to take what they said and think, the community doesn't like me? And feel like you're, you know, because you can take those little words like that and all of a sudden you're ready to quit. You're ready to give up. Or are you going to say this? Well, you know, they didn't know. Obviously, they got some bad information. I can't fault them for that. 
To know me is to love me. And if they knew me, they'd love me. And it just releases you from that junk. That's, that's walking in love. Not getting on Facebook and, I heard from so and Worst thing you can do is address people on social media. That is El Stupido. That is foolishness on ice. Amen? That is a world-class ignoramus that addresses people on Facebook. First off, the algorithm is not going to take you to that person. Hello? They may never sit. They're, they're skiing and having a good time, and you're sitting at home brooding over some comment they made about you. Come on now. We've got to learn to walk in love. Amen? And give yourself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. See, when we truly walk in love, we are a sweet smell in God's nostrils. Amen? You need to ask yourself when you're getting a funk, you need to say, am I stinky? Come on now. In the nostrils of God? Yeah. When pride is evident, when the lack of humility is not there, you stink in the nostrils of God. God loves you. God cares for you. He does not reject you. He's not rejecting you. The Bible says, I believe it's Psalm 138. Was it Psalm 138? It says that the, the, the proud God knows afar off. That doesn't mean that he's let go of you. It just simply means there's distance and margin in your relationship because of your stank. Hello. One thing that we need to realize is that our attitude has great bearing on whether we're walking in love or not. And we need to check our attitude, and sometimes we can have a nasty attitude that is, you know, detrimental to health and healing. The relationship can't heal. And people will say, well, how can I get rid of the thoughts, get rid of the pain? You've got to will it. You've got to make a decision. You know, God doesn't have a magic eraser. He expects you to overcome through the character of Christ. You understand what I'm saying? You don't just apply the blood to your sins. Oh, you... We got to apply the blood to other people that have sinned against us. Amen? Okay. That was fun. All right. Now it gets even worse. He says, but sexual immorality. Now that means all of that freaky deaky stuff. All of it. Hello? All of that. Sexual immorality. Come on now. It's, the, it's a very broad, it's the broadest tense sense that you can have. 
It's not just homosexuality. Hello? But it's all sexual immorality outside of the confines of marriage. Sex is meant to be performed within a marriage covenant. Because that's the only arena where it's truly safe and beneficial. And I've said that to people and they've laughed at me. Said, oh no, we got some good sex going on. You know, in our... I'm serious. I'm serious. I said, no, no. I said, you think you do. But eventually, that is going to work against you. Because there's no safety. You see, it's just, you're playing with something. I don't mean that. No. Sorry, God. <laughs> Boy, this is... Kevin, come on up here. I'm going to tag team you right in. <laughs> You're messing with something. And ain't even that's not even good. But anyway. Okay, all right. You're, 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 you're taking on things that you cannot handle in your soul. Because to truly have intimacy between a husband and a wife means there has to be full and total, you see, uh, acceptance of, of one another. And you don't get that unless you're, you come into covenant with one another and you don't have a back door. See, great sex is birthed out of the solidity and, and, and very boring and normal trotting and plodding that comes from a day-in and day-out commitment to where the person actually feels safe. Mm, and there's not a lot of safety in sex outside of marriage. There's not. Because you're going to get your heart broke. Come on now. Uh, people just love this stuff, but it's, it's right there. All sexual immorality. So what's sexual immorality? Sex outside of the covenant of marriage. You don't hear a lot of preachers talking about this anymore. But it's here, right here in the Bible. Amen? And it's not just talking about those people that have the sexual orientation that you don't like. It's talking about you. It's talking about adultery. It's talking about fornication. Hello. I had a guy come to me and he quit a church. He, this is what he quit the church for. He said, I quit that church. I said, why would you quit that church? He said, that pastor, he didn't know anything. I said, well, what did he not know? He said, he didn't know the difference between adultery and fornification. <laughs> Somebody needed a little help with spell check on that. <clears throat> but anyway, okay. So all impurity, okay, is vile behavior, impure behavior, impure motives, or covetousness. Covetousness is, they're tied together. They're all tied together. That's the reason why they're put together. Sexual immorality, the reason why it doesn't work outside of the confines of 
marriage is that it brings in the element of covetousness. I've seen it happen. Can we talk about this? Is this all right? I've seen it happen. Someone just loves the Lord and they get saved, they get baptized, and they just love the Lord. And they're pursuing God and learning, enrolled in Bible school, being discipled. And then all of a sudden, a stupid person comes into their life. Hello. And, you know, they, you know, they do real good for a little bit, you know, first date. They just get a little peck on the cheek and. And then it starts moving into some things they shouldn't. And then all of a sudden, it's just full-blown, let's just call it sexual immorality. Okay? Well, all of a sudden, their appetites change. Covetousness is idolatry. We'll find it out later on. That when I covet something, I'm actually idolizing and worshiping it. And no, there's no greater worship in this world than sex. Hello. People can get entangled with the wrong person because they are dealing in sexuality that requires a deeper level of commitment. But yet they're eating the icing. They think their life is just going to be the full moist cake. Those are some bad analogies. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not too well, Jesse. I might have to tag you in here. They just think, that it's always going to be that way. And it's not. You're just eating icing. Can you live on icing? Let me, let me tell you married people. How many married people can tell you that sex is just the driving force of our marriage? I, I, it's not. It's not. In fact, I was shocked at how less of sex I got after I got married. Hello. I've counseled some, so many married couples that after they say I do, they don't. <laughs> okay? But their, their worship goes towards a person. Because basically you worship things that make you feel good. Do you understand that? Okay, let's move on. It says, must not be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. So he talked about, you know, unfruitful and unproductive words in the 25th verse of chapter 4. Now he's talking about cussing. He's talking about curse words explicitly in this. He's talking about the use of foul language and the use of coarse joking mainly sexualized joking hello don't be wearing your lake church or train shirt 
at your workplace and giving nasty joke emails to your coworkers. Just wear something else, a nine-inch nail shirt or whatever you want to wear. Don't wear. Hello. That's like having a church bumper sticker and flipping people off on the highway. It doesn't go together, friends. And you can't be an elder or a minister in the church and tell nasty, dirty jokes. It doesn't work. That is not the proper fruit. Amen? Hello? I know. Paul wrote it. I didn't. Amen? Okay. He says, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So he, he gives you a replacement. Amen? Well, you know, some of you, your conversations are totally, you know, go to silence if you don't have, you know, filthiness and foolish talk or coarse jesting, you know. But if you replace it with something, with thanksgiving, amen, that's vital and important because it edifies. It doesn't break down. It doesn't so, see, what does coarse jesting and foolish jokes tell us? It puts seeds in people's minds. And that's the whole purpose of it. You know, you're talking about, you know, some kind of sexual liaison. You're basically throwing a seed thought into your brother or sister that that can make them very uncomfortable and even cause problems down the road. Okay, all right. You look at me, that tone of voice. Okay. It says, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexual and moral or impure or who is covetous, notice in parentheses, that is an idolater. It says, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Pretty plain. No explanation necessary, right? He says, therefore, uh, it says, therefore, let me see here. The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. So now he's talking about our relationships with one another, understanding that you can't be hooked up to certain people. Now that doesn't mean we we cease to witness and we cease to connect and we cease to try to build bridges. That's not... That's not to, do, to totally deprive yourself of that. You'd have to t- take yourself out of the world. And we're in the world. We're not of the world. And we're constantly looking for ways in to share the gospel message. So he's not telling you to separate. He said, don't partner with them. Hello. Don't partner with them in business. And don't partner with them in marriage. Hello. Where do people miss it? They marry the wrong people. Well, he makes me feel good. You're eating icing, honey. I 
it was like icing on a meatloaf. Come on now. <laughs> she just brings out the best in me. You're just on a sugar rush. You wait till you have to wake up to that. Hello? Did I ever tell you the story about the preacher that was in Bible school? And he knew, knew he needed a wife. But back in those days, you needed a wife that could sing. You know, back in those days. I did not marry a wife that could sing. Okay? So my wife doesn't play the piano. She's not musical at all. So he figured, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to preach the gospel and she's going to she's going to play the piano and she's going to sing. So he'd start dating two girls in Bible school. One of them was a sweet girl, very attractive, could cook and clean. She was a wonderful help me, but she couldn't sing a lick and she couldn't play the piano. And even when she went to do piano lessons, she just couldn't get the hang of it. But then he had another girl, she didn't wasn't quite attractive, you know. But boy, she could play that piano and she could sing like an angel. So he decided, well, I'm going to the ministry. I need that girl that can sing and that girl, you know, she's not as pretty as this other one, you know. She's kind of, you know, got Google eyes. <laughs> so he marries that girl. He marries the girl that can sing and play the piano. And it's after his honeymoon is over, he rolls over in the morning. And she rolls over and faces him. And she, he says, sing, baby, sing. <laughs> Hello? That's an old preacher joke. Every time I tell that, I get the taste of fried chicken in my mouth. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but do you understand that? You can marry the wrong person. I have seen many uh, a young lady, many a young man have a call on God on their life and marry the wrong person and never do it. Never, never do any of it. Never. You'd rather be single than marry the wrong person. Okay, all right. So we don't get in, you know, partnership with them. For at one time, you were darkness. Notice how he phrases that. He says at one time, he doesn't say at one time you were in darkness. He says at one time you were darkness. We were in the dark, guys, until Jesus came into our life and was the light of life. Yes. Amen? We were darkness. That was the condition of our life. We operated in perpetual ignorance. We had to feel our way through life. We were prone to stumbling and making mistakes. We were prone to making excuses for those mistakes. To finger point and blame for those mistakes and put it on others. That's darkness. But notice it says this. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. It's the same thing as walking in love. When you walk in love, you're walking in light. Amen? I'm telling you, when you're not walking in love towards your fellow brother and sister, towards your spouse, towards your kids, towards anybody, 
you are not walking in the light of life. You're walking in ignorance. And you don't know what's ahead. You don't know what you're going to step in. You don't know what you're going to face. All kinds of traps are going to be before you, and you're not going to be able to see them. And I've seen it happen in my own life when I have entertained unforgiveness, when I have let the gall of bitterness take hold of my life. It blinded me in every area of my life. Amen? Okay. All right. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good. Everybody say good. good. Right. Everybody say right. And true. So how do I know that I'm operating in light? Is it good? Is it right? Is it true? Oh, put that, put that on your, you know, your, uh, I don't know what I'm saying here. Put that on your mantle in front of you. Put that on your mirror when you get up. Put that on your refrigerator, whatever. Is it good? Is it right? Is it true? If I'm operating in goodness, in right, which is righteousness, if I'm operating in truth, then I'm operating in light and I'm walking in love. So that means this, that even if I have to correct and say things that are hard in a relationship, I can still walk in light. By it being good, because good isn't just the quality of happiness. Good just means it's the condition of God. It means that it's good in the sense that even when it's we think it's bad, it's good. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, it's just like someone being thrown in jail. And you decide, because you've been directed by the Lord, to not bail them out this time. Now, that action can be considered bad by the person who's incarcerated or even family members that criticize what you're doing. But inevitably, it is good. Oh, come on now. See, you've got to understand that. Inevitably, it is good because it's going to cause the person to think and not get in that predicament again. Do you see what I'm saying? you understand that? And then right, right is right. When you do it for the right reasons, when you do it the right way, it's right. Amen? And then operating in truth. When I forgive you, I'm operating in truth. When I release you from your sentence that I have handed down in your life, and I have deemed you to be, you know, uh, a criminal in my world. And I release you, because that's what, what forgiveness does. It just just releases. You're just taking it and hurling it as far away from you as you possibly can. Okay? Okay, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. See, there has to be some some development and discerning what is pleasing to the Lord in the areas of life. It isn't just going to happen. You know, you're going to have decisions that aren't clearly outlined in the Scripture. You're going to have to take what you know 
explicitly in the scripture and apply it to the implicit areas of your life. And it requires the Holy Spirit seeking God by the Holy Spirit through the word of God. Amen. And through godly counsel. Okay. It says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Amen. 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 It's vitally important that we understand that we're not just simply to avoid, but we're to expose. And where does that exposure start first? In our neighbor's life? In, in, in our politician's life? Come on now. In our, you know, it starts with us. We expose them first within us. Amen? Amen. And so it's important for us to deal with what is going on in our lives that is not in line with the Word of God. And we we got to start looking in the mirror and stop looking out the window. Amen? Did I help anybody? Amen. I don't want to go too much longer. We're going... It's it's getting dicey. We're I don't know I don't know if you can handle it. It's a there was an album in the nineties, Hammer Don't Hurt Them. And I'm not gonna hurt you tonight, okay? All right, we're gonna walk away edified and built up. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We don't need to be messing with this stuff. Amen. We start saying, you know, I'm going to get back at them. God says, vengeance is mine. You got to think about that. See, I remember there's a minister that said this, that whenever someone does that did them wrong, he said, and I've always lived by this, I baked them a cake. Now, I might burn a few of the cakes in the process. I might put nasty letters with the icing on the cake and have to throw them away, but I'm in process. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, if, if Joel offends me, I can't stay in this position. I can't get no relief. I have to back away. I have to put myself in the position of thankfulness. I start thanking God for, for Joel. Now, Joel's hurt me. He's made me mad, you know. And I just say, this is what, this is what I do. <sighs> Lord, thank you for... <laughs> it's just the truth. Thank you for Joel. See, you've got to get your flesh under subjection. And I start baking him a cake. Now, I might chop the cake up and and have to go back to step one and then go, you know. But what happens is, is I I begin to prepare myself for restoration. You understand what I'm saying? I prepare myself for restoration. There's people that you're going to see at your class reunions that you haven't forgive, haven't forgiven. And it ruins your enjoyment of that particular thing because you're 
worked up about something that happened 30 years ago. Bake them a cake. No, I'm not telling you you need to be in the cake baking business and make physical cakes. I'm talking about get in the process of restoration. It's nice to walk into a crowd of people and be free. Hello. I mean, Karen and I, you know, we didn't play around. We were together since 14. So all the, you know, when you go to the class reunions, everybody's looking at the side eye. You know what I'm saying? Because they got stuff on each other. Hello. They got sleepovers and Ouija board nights and drinking stories and the crazy time that you said, hold my beer and all that stuff. They got it. And you've been playing the field and tasting the fruits. And you're walking in to about 30 to 40 people that know what you did. And they're all like, you know, you've got this pretense. How would you like to walk into something and be totally, absolutely free? Amen. I'm telling you, you get rid of that stuff. There's there's family reunion. Holidays are coming. You want to be able to walk in, you know, hey, hey, Aunt Rosie, you know. Come on, how many have ever had a fit thrown at Christmas over something that happened 15 years back? Hello? Stupidity. Bake a cake. Get yourself in mental. Start praising God for them and start interceding for them. Isn't that, I think maybe Jesus said that. I don't know. Maybe it's in the Bible. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Amen. He's not doing it so you can be a Casper milk toast and just walk all over me. He's empowering you. I mean, when the devil takes his best shot, smacks you up beside your head, and you get on your knees instead of retaliating, he has no power over you. Amen. Amen. Jesus said this. He said, the prince of this world is coming but he has nothing in me. The enemy only manipulates and uses what you've allowed to be planted in you by him. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. You still like me? Am I okay? You still love your pastor? Amen? Okay. Well, well I'm glad. I'm glad. Amen? Hallelujah. After Sunday, I was, uh, I was a little afraid. <laughs> Amen. We're going to have a good time this weekend. We've got a special guest. I'm not going to waste disclosure on a holiday weekend because I know where your mind's going to be. <laughs> so we've got our wonderful ambassador from Africa. Uh, uh, John Are is going to be with us. And he is a wonderful man of God. You will enjoy him. And then we'll get back on disclosure the next week. 
but we're going to have a good time. Amen? So bring people. He is a wonderful, powerful man of God, powerful flows in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he, he is just a blessing to us, and we're going to have him this weekend. Amen? And uh, praise the Lord. God is good, and you're dismissed in Jesus' name.